Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. We have a very special guest today to uh, talk control with us. Uh, we have here Seamus Young, video game blogger extraordinaire. Gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, raise your non-existing glass. There you go. I and in an unusual twist, Chris and I are not together in the same room. No, so, we're not. So I can say more stuff without fear of Chris stabbing me in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, Seamus, let people know uh, what, even though I'm sure more people know you than my podcast, what you do. Like, what, what what's your website, all that stuff. Okay. I run the blog 20-Sided. I've been, for the last 11 years, I've been a contributor on and off at The Escapist. I make some popular YouTube videos once every couple of years. <laughs> I did the DM of the Rings. Uh, um, comic. Comic, yeah. And other projects. But that's that's the meat of what I do. Uh, and I will say your latest Big Dumb Industry, not your latest, but recent one on the Skinner box. I really enjoyed that one. That was very oh, good. Thank you. Um, thank you. And might be relevant to some of what we're going to discuss because, as I said, we're doing a discussion on the video game Control recently, uh, recently released. I was actually pretty hyped up about this. Um, I really wanted to play it. Steve was definitely going on me. It's like, oh, yeah, man, this game's good. You're going to play it. You got to play it. So I ended up getting it a little late. And I don't think it's that great. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's that great. And because Seamus had a very interesting three-part series on his blog about it, I wanted to bring him in, get his thoughts and opinions uh, mixed in with ours. And also because when I got to tell Steve he's wrong, it's great to have some backup. And I'm sure it is. I can be very, <laughs> very convincing. So, so one point of I think that already is a point of difference for you and for me is I I remember control. I remember seeing the announcement. Like, oh look, it's a new IP. It's coming out. Was it at the Game Awards last year? Is that right? Yeah. It was either yeah it was that, that or E3. Yeah, it was some kind of Sony presentation. It was a Sony yeah. presentation, definitely. And so anyway, so I'm like, okay, great. It's a new IP. It sounds really cool. And uh, I, I kind of forgot about it. Too. And then oh, I, I was... sort of just, I sort of just bought it on a whim. Like really? I was just like looking for something. I'm like, you know what? I haven't played anything new in a while. Let me download Control because that looks cool. And so I'm going into this totally blind with zero expectations. Uh, and so maybe that's there's a, there might be a little bit of that coloring my my experience with the game versus me talking it up for a month before you picked it up and uh, thinking two weeks. like i was like two weeks late okay whatever it was so anyway so maybe maybe there's a little bit of that um but so anyway so so i really like control i like the combat i like the world um you not so much which you <laughs> I don't know. I wish I you wanted to speak. Yeah. For for me, it was uh, I was really weird how I came around to this game. I saw it at it must have been at E3 because I didn't watch the Game Awards last year, and I was watching probably the Sony presentation on YouTube. I'll bet. And I just saw some chick shooting dudes from behind cover, and I was like, nope. 
Not interested. <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with games like that, but I've played that friggin' game. So I skipped it. And then it was like some months later as, as Control was about to come out, I saw another trailer with her flying around and throwing crap. And I was like, oh, wait, I, I need this game. Um, I need to play this. <laughs> this, isn't that... just, this isn't just a cover-based shooter. This is something really cool and special. That it's, might have been the second trailer, though. The first one that you saw of the gameplay, that might have been the second. Because the first, like, it was very much playing up that uh, Twin Peaks-style X-Files combination. Like, mm. all these things that the, the what's his name? Sam, uh, Sam Lake. Sam Lake. Yeah. Sam Lake really loves and yeah. inspires all of his creations, basically. Except for Max Payne. That was mostly noir. Um. But the, oh, and there's, no, still, that, there's a little crossover in there with the, the noir and the and the sort of the mis, the mysterious Twin Peaks X Files. Oh, yeah. He's got such a distinctive style. I really like that about his work. Like you can feel it's him. You know. Yes, I, yeah. I actually agree with that. Um, but no, that, I, that was uh, another thing. I, so I was a huge fan of the Max Payne games, uh, even even the third one, uh, which. I had nothing to do with remedy. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't the same thing. But anyway, um, and I always wanted to play Alan Wake, but for some reason, 360 was never my primary system, and my having various 360s over the years never quite aligned with me playing Alan Wake. Um, so that was a, that was actually part of my decision to purchase Control. Was like, hey, okay, this is you know Max Payne, Alan Wake. Like, yeah, like, let's get on this. So, what I want to start with, though, before we talk about, like, really heavily get into the story, really heavily get into discussing the combat and uh, other elements of the game's design, is what I think is part of the game's primary issue is a sort of chicken-and-the-egg scenario regarding the skill trees... And then the levels and difficulty of the different enemies, and then combined with the frequency of enemies and the modifications that are loot drops. Um, and by what that all I mean, I feel like like Steve when we talked about Spider-Man last year, one of the things that I said was it feels like mo like half the skill tree should have been unlocked when you got that ability or something. Like it feels like half the skill tree should have been available from the beginning. Right. It, it, um, it's like a false sense of progression. This uh, isn't the only game. Like that's not the only game. I feel like this seems to be a recent thing. God of war had it too. Um, I'm feels playing... like they start you off too low, too basic yeah. and you're missing too many good mechanics. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not even just that because it's like they're definitely going with like a Metroidish thing, and I love the Metroid franchise. It's one of my favorite franchises. But it feels like when you get the shield or the um, actually launch even like or seize is actually one of the best ones, where you can't seize certain enemies until you upgrade it all the way, and launch has i think there's some ability that you don't get it oh the ability to throw rockets back like some of this stuff feels like it should just be built into that mechanic but yeah. you have to unlock it and as you progress through i'm and also like there's just the strength of these abilities doesn't feel worthwhile until you've upgraded them all the way launch is devastating once you've upgraded it completely the shield is actually really useful once you've upgraded it all the way 
cease matters when you can capture the orb guy like all of these things feel more appropriate and the only reason i can imagine they make you upgrade it is because the enemies level up as you go but if the enemy okay so so, so, that's part of it but at the same time so you say you were talking about the shield being useful um and see so i didn't really the shield and seize were two things i didn't even put any points into until I had maxed out a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I rarely used the shield. Um, and I was kind of in the middle on on the on C's. I think Seamus, you you weren't so keen on C's, if I remember from your your blog on post on the subject. Right. I I hated how it you can't do your dodge, you can't fly. You know, I said I it felt like you nailed you it feels like the game nails you in place. It actually doesn't. Everybody's like, you can move around, you can strafe. And I'm like, yeah, but you can't like run behind cover, dodge stuff, dodge rockets. Like you're not wrong because yeah, like you can't do any useful dodging. There's at least like three or four times I'd be seizing and I'd be strafing around because that's what people tell you. They tell you, it's like, oh, you got to move. This is a game where you just got to move and stand still. And it's like, okay, I'm moving and I walk right into a I've never played a shooter before. I never imagined you had to move I know. while you were shooting. It's just open to me. That just opens up comparisons to Doom 2016 because it's like, okay, let's see how this other game where you had to just keep moving worked, and how it's so much better. But that's um, it, it is different styles of gameplay because control is slower. Right. But as far as, as far as the skill trees go, I think control I see as being somewhere in between. Where I definitely see a lot of games now where the skill tree is just sort of like, it's like it's hiding fun from you. Like you wanted to have fun and we're going to make you do this progression before you can have fun. I feel like control is somewhere in between where there is a little bit of purpose to the skill tree. um, But... It definitely can get in the way at times. Uh, Seamus, I think you mentioned in your blog about how your experience actually differed a lot when you started put, pumping uh, in your second playthrough. You started pumping a bit points into your abilities rather than just pumping them into health. Right. And that actually made a big difference on how much you enjoyed the combat in the game. Oh uh, yeah, the the first time through the game, it like as far as I can tell, your health upgrades do nothing. I mean, they make your health bar bigger, but the enemies I think do proportional damage, so it's it's completely useless. You die. What? I don't think that's the case um, because I tried for a while. Like I had a mod that increased your health by like sixty percent. And I thought kind of the same thing, but then when I removed that mod and went back to like the basic health bar, I think it's a mixture of two things. It's proportional to a point, like if you have the basic health bar, then if if an enemy attack does more than that health bar, it whittles down to 99% health bar. Right, right. That's like, I know Steve disagrees with this, but I feel like that's the majority of of attacks in this game if it's not a machine gun a shotgun or like the minigun it's going to do almost your entire health base health bar um and it's positive the whole thing and it seems to have that shelf where it's like oh this would kill you so i'm going to leave you at two percent health and yeah 
Which yeah, is, but there, there's definitely all kinds of difficulty adjustments built into the game that are saying we're preventing a one-hit kill here, and we're doing all this goofy well, stuff to to well, balance. That's, that's the thing. I don't think it's necessarily like that because when I did increase the health bar towards the end of the game because I didn't have a lot of other upgrades available, then. I noticed most of those attacks still did more than your than half your health. But what that does is the strong attacks are going to basically be a two-hit kill regardless. Yep. But you then are able to s sustain more damage from the machine guns and stuff like that. Uh. You can well, again, if the first attacks only give you like a sliver of health when you're at your base, then the machine gun at least gets you a few more hits. And I think this is all designed because they intend for you to be going around collecting the little blue gem things, even though, as you said in your blog, one of the things that happened to me early in the game is going to collect them, enemies then spawn right in where you are and you're in the middle of them, no cover, and you're just killed. Right. So it's this, and this is what I mean, I guess, when it comes to chicken and egg, because for me, it's like, okay, well, this idea explains this idea. But then this idea kind of makes it not work. It, right. it feels like there's so much stuff that the game contradicts itself. And maybe that's part of the genius idea where they're like, we're going to design a game where the mechanics contradict themselves. So it's like the game world itself where you don't know what's real or not. I don't think they're trying that, though. I think they're trying I, to make a fun see, game. But See, for me, it just it felt a lot like... In, in a weird way, it felt a lot like playing Max Payne back in like 2002 or something uh, for me, where you get into these encounters, and by the end of the encounter, you're basically just like kiting the enemy and poking out to deal a tiny bit of damage and then hiding again. And I don't, I don't know, maybe that's not a good thing, but it, it at least evoked enough nostalgia for me. To be able to enjoy it, um, where there's a couple in, there's a couple encounters that are like that are like cemented in my brain from Max Payne, where I remember I was out of I couldn't slow down time anymore, I was low on ammo, I had one or two enemies left in the room, and so I was just trying to hide and and poke them until they died. And that's a little bit like where some of these encounters in control feel is, you know, okay, I want to get out there and get some health, but I'm going to get one hit killed by a rocket if I do that. And so I need to, so um, Pierce was my weapon of choice in control. So, you know, I want to poke out and hit him with Pierce and like then hide again. And then maybe I can hit him with Pierce again, and, or someone's closing in, I gotta get him with spin. I don't know. I, I, I sort of felt the tension, and I liked it. And I liked dying a lot. <laughs> so you're a masochist. I'm, I'm a masochist. I, I liked dying a lot. I I'm gonna thought, tell your wife. I'm gonna tell her, and we're gonna see what she says. <laughs> um, and if I say anything on, on that subject, I'm just gonna get in trouble. So, the... I, I don't know. I it, it felt like maybe it was just the maybe it was just the right game for me at the right time. Uh, but I, I sort of liked all these albums. The one thing I didn't like is the load screen. Oh, 
that load yeah. screen. That is that is a war crime. That load screen. It was probably worse for us on our base level PS4s than yeah, it, was it was for bad. you. Because you did you you know you didn't have it on a solid state drive, but you at least had it on a PC. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking you about said like anchor. 30 seconds. You said 30 second load time, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure a bunch of them were longer than that for me and Steve. Yeah. But, yeah I, I'm thinking about the anchor, Chris. Are you thinking about the anchor? Oh yes, I'm thinking about the anchor. I'm also thinking about the. Okay, so there are some encounters though where I I was texting Steve when we were play, when I was playing, and just like yelling about it, and then he's like, "What are you doing? Use the Pierce gun!" And it's like, okay, that actually did work. <laughs> um, but like, I'm also thinking of the 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 boss when you first go up the Panopticon. Is that the name of it? The that boss the... before you get the uh, the levitate. Um, the fridge boss. Where the guys gotta like stare at the fridge? And then, no, like, oh, yeah. no, not not former. Um, which I I want to talk to him a little bit about him a little bit when we get into spoilers. But um, where uh, the 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 story based boss you gotta beat? That's like telekinetic has the shield and like six guys drop around him. Um, and then after you beat him, you get the ability to levitate. Oh, I, is that like is it? I don't like the 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 world like turns around when Jesse walks into the room, and she oh, so falls. this the, the the TV is that the TV where you get the ability to fly from the TV? Maybe. Yeah. Yes, that is the TV. You're right. Um, but it's just like a regular telekinetic guy, and the thing is, without the Pierce, I wouldn't have been able to manage that guy because you just can't get rid of his shield in time. While also maintaining like the, the the telekinetic charge, if you're just launching stuff at him. Uh, but I did figure out, and that's the thing. Like through some of this failure, I started to figure out. Okay, you use Pierce on him when he's using the shield. When he's about to attack you, you can launch something at him and it'll stop. Like it's got these little patterns and formulas, but it took so many attempts. And for a game that seems built for customization, it's like okay, nothing I tried worked until I use this specific loot out with this specific strategy. So do you want a, do you want to have players play a specific way or do you want them to play like, you know, how they want to play? The, part of this leads into the part of discussing this game is that the powers seem to the powers in the playstyle seem to have a massive massive effect on your experience like you choose these powers and this game will grind you down to dust you choose these and you can lull your way through every encounter and so you're trying to compare notes with other players and you're like okay was this boss no this boss fight was easy but this one was hard no no for me it was the other way and it's like are we even playing the same game and since <laughs> there's no difficulty it's like we don't know what accounts for these differences like why were you taking three hits from that guy and he killed me in two and stuff like that? But that's where I still think there's... I think there's that's why it's good. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I think there's actually like three different responses people get to this. Like, And Steve's like part of that. Like, There's the... Oh yeah, of course I died like three or four times every encounter. But the game's so fun. And then there's the... Like, where I Because, th- honestly, I did have fun with the game. I would like to play it again, but I don't want to play it again. So it's like this weird um, Schrodinger's replay where I just... It, 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 it wasn't a bad game, but it's like, here's all the things that impacted my enjoyment of it. Which is 
often like people are like no but you don't understand and then you have the people that are like i didn't even see the games and or no 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 they played it to the end and are like that game was awful and it's like yeah but you played it to the end so were you were you at least not engaged enough are you not it? entertained yeah um and for 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 me it, it's definitely that area where I remember talking to someone and they're like, no man, just get C's and you can take over those sphere guys. It's easy. And it's like, firstly, you can't get that maximized uh, C's ability until at least halfway through the game, just based on the amount of skill points it takes to get it. And that's if you are specifically holding skill points back so you can get that level of C's which means you already know about that level of C's. Most first-time players won't. And having yeah. used C's a lot, that sphere does not heal you as fast as the damage you can take. It helps. It is not like an easy win button like this person was making it out to be. And here's, so, oh, here's one of the confusing things about the way the game is designed, right? <clears throat> You're presented with escalating costs. Yep. You know, the first point, the the first level of this thing is one point, the next one's two, and then three, Eventually four, five. Three yeah. So it's like, I could get this one power, or I could get three other powers. You know, it's like, well, so it seems to be encouraging you to keep your, your progression very flat. And that's fine. That's a valid design. But then the power that you get from investing those points doesn't really kick in until the very end. So that yep. encourages you to go straight down a tree. So the game tells you one thing, spread your points around. But then when you get to the end of a tree, you discover, oh, I should have been min-maxing. And it, you're getting mixed messages from the game, and it's sort of the game is encouraging you to play wrong. Hmm. And it's not even just that. Like, uh, like One thing I'll say to you, like I did... Just by finding uh, hidden rooms and by doing as many of the side quests I could find. And there's like a few, a couple that I missed. Like I know I missed the one that Hideo Kojima voices in. I missed that quest. But it's like I was able to get everything but max out melee. So I maxed out everything else but melee. Which is fine by me. Right, and who cares about melee? It's one of the reasons why in that game, like by the end... It, that was one of the contributing factors to where it's like, oh, I'm starting to have a better time now because everything feels as powerful as it should feel. Um, but then there's also the element to it where something that I discovered, which kind of goes against everyone's just keep moving, was in an environment where I could get a higher elevation and just stay there, I was able to usually like have cover i steered enemies towards a sort of a um a funnel a bottleneck and it, it increased my survivability like tenfold like um you brought up in your blog uh, i don't want to me mention them by name but like the mirror boss right i had a rough time the first time i played and i'll agree the video you linked i was watching that and i'm like this is not the mirror boss i fought what is right this? <laughs> right um, is this person like found a hidden like ultimate easy mode like, like what yeah. is that like the uh, the boss is like he stood next to the boss and it didn't immediately nuke him with a rocket to the face and i'm like or melee or anything yeah right um, it was just like hanging out now they were like what's up <laughs> so the first time i fought that boss was a pain in the butt but then it's like okay i'm gonna go to this 
because the sides of the room have this elevated platform element and there's like pillars that you can duck between once i went up there and basically hid and just took pot shots it was so easy like i only got low on health once just brought up my shield scattered about got them blue gems went right back to a higher elevation and i i, I, I killed the boss off two attempts was all it took me and so i think i would just keep moving is kind of bad advice i think that the really the 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 correct version of that is some version of find the safe routes in the room is maybe a better a better way of saying that than just keep moving where you need to find the spots where you're where you're not going to get cornered but you also have cover and you have positional advantage and you need to sort of and most encounters move between those locations tactically and not always though like i probably and, would have had a, so much right. more time on one boss if i had known the room was an exact layout but anyways that, that'll yeah. get a little bit into spoilers but i think for me though like i think all of the encounters also would have been better if they just got rid of what i call the comic cadavers which is the kamikaze cadavers which uh, I don't know what their real name is. It's like Hiss. They're Cursed uh, Thrall. Basically, yeah, but they, they, they're they worse because the Cursed Thrall explode immediately. These guys don't explode immediately. They delay, so anyone that's grouped around them runs away before that area of effect explosion, like, happens. And they, 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 they are dropped into, like, by the halfway point of the game, they're in every encounter. Every single one. The only time I died on the ashtray maze that everyone hypes up was that you died on when the those guys Trey Maze, you noob. Yep. At I did too. Very yep. That at very end when those guys show up and you gotta jump from platform to platform, it's like I got caught. I, I got caught by one of the guys teleport. I found an upper level, like we're discussing now, and I was like, haha, I'm just gonna sit up here and shoot them like fish in a barrel. And a guy spawned in behind me and rocketed <laughs> me in the back of the head. And I was like, oh come on, game. Oh, boy. Of course, though, at the end of the ashtray maze is, like, the only part of the game where if you drop into the infinite depths of the chasm, it'll respawn you instead of just game over you. Right. But, um, <laughs> now, I, I think, uh, so we could get into spoilers, let's do a little bit of the story um, and what we thought about it. I think the world building is great in this game and i think the greatest reward for exploration was not the random pickup mods that are mostly worthless but the 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 documents like finding the document reading all the stories and how some of them interconnect like you'll find oh this connects with this this and this there's multiple ones that reference back to alan wake and then there's um just like uh the the one security guy he talks about, um, oh yeah, we went on this mission and did this thing. And then you find documents detailing that mission. So I really like that element of the world building. It does make it feel like there's more they can do with the Titanic <coughs> universe. If Strong, they make another game, yeah. they really, really gotta work on the gameplay. But otherwise, the, st- <laughs> the setting's great. The oldest house is, uh, is a nice, interesting location. I loved everything about that. All the documents you found. I loved the environment design. It was just such a cool place to like be and hang out. But it just, I loved everything about it. 
everything about it. I loved that sort of weird, like, what technology level is this? It's very modern. It's obvious it's modern day. But because of lore reasons, they can't have super modern tech. They can't have anything newer than the 80s. So they have to do all of their paperwork on 80s computers. Dude, and they- I love that. I love like specifically one of the first things I spotted was the vending machines. Yeah, have like blank, just generic, white white bag, black text, chips, and that's it. Remove as much meaning from it because it's got that whole element of like right like, this paranormal element where these things become possessed, quote unquote because of the meaning we attach to them i love that it's funny because i've recently seen a commercial where doritos are like we don't even have to give you the logo which they kind of do anyway but like we don't even have to give you the logo you know what we're advertising and it's like that element of meaning is there and it's like this game takes that idea and is like well here's a negative spin like negative weird paranormal spin on it and it's like this is this is a really great concept it's yeah. the the other world weaponizing memes which is terrifying yes yeah, <laughs> you right. can't you can't help but create them everybody runs into that one thing everybody notices this one thing that gets on your nerves and so or amuses you and so everybody notices it and then it becomes important to everybody and then it becomes haunted yeah, <laughs> yeah. so like the the oldest for me, the oldest house, uh, the Federal Bureau of Control, all of that, 10 out of 10, for sure. Yeah. The actual story of yeah. Jesse Faden searching for her brother and the, you know, uh, all that. Uh, what's the name of the thing living in her head? Uh, the Hiss? Polaris. Oh, Polaris, Polaris right. and the Hiss. Uh, like like a 7, 7.5, 8, like not, you know... It's good. It wasn't like mind blowing or anything else to me. I think right. there's elements of that that could be cool. Like you think about the idea of Polaris being an individual entity interacting with Jesse as an individual, and then the hiss are this not like l- lack of individuality. Well, that, yeah. So and again, that that's sort of to me more of the world. The world building, all these great ideas, this great setting um, is where I give that the sort of the 10 out of 10. But then the execution of the story. Well, is, I, that's why I would need like I, I feel like I would need to play the game again because I feel like, OK, they, 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 we've got these two juxtaposed elements. And what is the, what, what is the idea of the oldest house? You you lose some of that identity. Um, like, again, the product is like. We, we can't have chips with an identity. They're just chips. You must lose. Like, is that a stapler, you know, or is it a, whatchamacallit item? Like, yeah. um, an altered item. An altered item. There you go. It's like, it, it's like removing as much identity from things as possible. And I think there's something to do. Like, there's got to be something in this story that they're trying to do thematically and everything with that but it's hard to really find because especially because i'll be honest i forgot about the board like part way through once like it became clear that there was something going on with polaris and jesse i completely forgot about the board like you get you get the levitate and then the board just kind of becomes a non-entity until the end of the right game. like they give you occasional like messages 
and then it's like, oh, by the way, at the end of the game, they're going out to the board, and it's like, oh, which I guess, I don't know, spoilers maybe, but it's this, like, the board seems important at the beginning, and it's this big thing, and then it's all about Polaris. Well, I, I, I mean, so, yeah, there's there's some side quests that sort of keep it in mind, where, like, you you encounter a former board member, for example, and which leaves you with questions on what exactly is the board if this is a former board member. Okay, now, I, I guess this is where we should get into... Uh, well, that, I mean, that's not really a... No, no, because I... Well, sort of. I did want to talk well, about that. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I thought the... I thought they were appropriately placed in, in terms of being a device to move the story along and also remaining a mystery because, uh, again, hopefully we get to go back to the world of control. I mean, this is all up for all kinds of game game awards, evidently, so we might actually. Um, this might be yeah. Remedy's I, biggest success. It's, what's funny about it is I, I think I said it in our, our chat where I, I really like this game. I love this game. Actually, I think, <laughs> I think love is a better word than like for this game. Because it's like I can, I can if I think hard about it, I can find things I don't like about it, but I still love it. Um, so what you're saying about time, your children? At the, same time, at the same time, when I think about this game in terms of game of the year, I'm like, is it though? <laughs> of course not. It's Resident Evil 2. That's that's clear. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Destiny 2 obviously. <laughs> uh, again. Destiny 2 has been the game of the year every year for, like, three years now. Uh, uh, uh no. Um, but yes. Um, so I guess we should, we should move on to spoilers? I guess we should. Uh, Seamus, is there any final thoughts you want to give? No. No, let's, let's, let's get to the spoilers. Alright, so, you guys were warned, we got spoilers, I think you got our general. I don't know if me and Seamus would recommend this. I mean, would you? That's an interesting question. I don't know. It, it If you're hungry for world... If you loved Mass Effect 1 and hated Mass Effect 2, like, if you're here for the lore and not so much the shooting, then, yeah, I'd recommend this game. Well, if Mass love, Effect had an easy mode. <clears throat> that's, that's true, right? That's this doesn't have an true. easy mode. That's if you true. like Lovecraft and X-Files and Twin Peaks and mystery and the supernatural, like... But yeah. then you gotta get through the combat. That's what makes it tough. I feel like the combat's not that bad. But it's not that good either. But it's it's better <laughs> than other stuff. Uh, I mean that it's better than McDonald's. It's better than other stuff. Like <laughs> McDonald's. It's better than eating trash out of a dumpster. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, and before we get on to spoilers, actually, for anyone that's coming onto this from, uh, if Sh I'm assuming Seamus is going to share this, because why would he be on a podcast and then not tell people about it? Um, but yeah, uh, I do stuff on www.ramblepack64.com. Ramblepack has no C in it. Uh, I have this podcast. I ever once in a while I write my own blog, and I've got a YouTube channel where I update once every three months, basically. So. <laughs> um, should be updating sooner soon I'm working on it but uh, yeah check that stuff out um, 
and spoiler time. So you've been warned. Let's okay. So Steve, did you find a document that specifically outlined former as a former board member, or is it just like because the game seems to be like oh this mysterious guy, but at the same time his name is former, and he talks in the board's language. Yeah, I, I guess I just from the from the encounters, it just seemed like he's a. I just assumed he was a former board member. Um, the the game the, uh, from whatever whatever the game whatever information the game gave me I never had any reason to not think he was a former board member. All right, uh, how about you, Seamus? Did you ever like think about that, or was it like? Because it's not. When do you encounter this guy? When you go into the refrigerator, um, he that's the first time I believe you encounter him. He's a he's a giant floating eyeball. He's like a beholder or something. That's the well, thing. Like a... That's the fight that puts the holes in the floor. Yes. yes. Um, yeah i didn't i wasn't really a fan of that fight and i was having such a lousy time with the combat i sort of stopped thinking about the story and now that you're talking about it now that you're talking about it i'm like right he was talking like board members like i didn't analyze this because i was so frustrated with falling through the holes all the time (laughs) There's a second time you fight him too. I can't remember when it is though. It's it's, it's with the end. It's it's with the like the end of that quest line. Oh yeah, when the guy has to chase the duck and chase the other stuff. The stoplight too. I like the stoplight. Um, yeah. even though so, it was just playing stoplight. So I think part of what so so this is this is weird. The worst parts of the game to, to me, but also the best parts, the best worst parts were hidden in side quests, right? Yeah. Like, as I didn't find any... After the first Tomasi encounter, where I was still sort of figuring out what the game, how the game wanted you to play, I didn't find much of the main story encounters to be particularly challenging. But I probably died ten times on the anchor and probably died five to ten times fighting former board and and other things where like these uh, the this this unimportant stuff not the unimportant stuff the side quest was i felt like where the the difficulty was really ramped up and yet at the same time i kind of liked a lot of those boss fights um the anchor was my fault. Like, uh, like I was sending you texts and I completely forgot because it's like it, I was posi- positioned in a way the first time where, yeah, the first thing you do is you toss a clock at it when it opens its mouth, but it didn't hit. And I got hit with a whole barrage of clocks and I was like, OK, not trying that again. So right. from then on, I'm just sitting it with like the pierce weapon. I tried the, 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 the rocket one and the rocket one did like no damage. It was... I don't know if it's just the way it hits or if it's something else, but the rocket never like, and this is part of the issue. Like some guns felt useful from the beginning, the scatter gun, the, the, the rocket one, I can't remember its proper name spin. These things did not feel very useful for me no. by default. Like these things. And I even tried like, uh, towards the end, um, in the, after the post credits, I tried to, because I talked to you a little bit, Steve, about um, 
I think I did, where it's like, okay, maybe if I try a different build, let's crank up, like, let's take the scatter gun, crank its damage, and then crank, like, the ability, like, the speed to reload when you have your shield up. Let's try that. So I use shield, get close, shoot someone, and it stunk. It was still doing barely any damage. It was... The and then, and then you watch Skill up, and he's like, the scatter gun's like a powerful gun, and it's like, who? Like, when? How? What so, game are you playing that the scatter gun is useful? Yeah, I am a shotgun fanatic. I love shotguns, but Pierce and Spin were my go-tos. So you, you somehow found Spin useful. Spin was useful in close quarters. It Spin tore people up in close quarters. Um, Maybe. But it had no range, I felt. Oh, it yeah. definitely doesn't have any range. And that's the thing. For, for it, it didn't feel like it did enough damage to justify how quickly it runs out of ammo. Yeah, because it didn't... It was never going to carry you through to launch recharging. Yeah. Because that's, that's the whole combat cycle, right? Is you, you empty... Say, empty your guns into the enemies. Then you power you empty launch energy your mojo right you empty your right. mojo and then you hope your ammo recharge by the time your mojo runs out and then you hope your mojo recharges by the time your ammo runs out and it just there's a cycle of of managing mojo and ammo levels and spin is just basically like yeah we blew the whole clip in like half a second <laughs> so you're going to have to wait a minute before you can hurt anybody again. And that's the funny thing, because for me, I felt like the pistol was perfect. It was a good, decent, like mid-range, long-range weapon. It did... These, like, like As I told you, though, like, in, and I wrote to people on Gamer of the Jobs, the thing that weird, like, like confused me... Because, okay, part of the thing that I did that was, a, I guess, a mistake... A lot of times I'll go into a game on console and... I don't know, maybe I think I'm too elite gamer or something like that, but I will actually shut off forms of aim assist when I can. Now, my justification for this, and Steve knows this, if you play Destiny on a console, you will have a sniper shot lined up, then some guy will run in front and drag the cursor away. Oh, and I hate that, that. Yeah, I, that's the worst. I hate that kind of aim assist, so I try and turn it off when I can. There's two different ones in um, Control. I can't remember what the one was. I never shut it off. But then the other one was like magnetizes bullets to the enemy. Well, I turned that off originally. And that was a big mistake because the mouse cursor or even just the, the, the crosshair. Um, and the example I brought up was the original Halo. The original Halo gives you a crosshair that is just the size of that gun spray. So at any range, it's telling you this is where bullets will land. The bloom. So the, the, the further you are with an assault rifle, the wider the spread. But then the closer you are, the smaller the spread. And it, it, it it's clear, it communicates, and naturally the pistol doesn't have that much of a spread. In this game, it just gives you the dot, and then it's like the middle of the dartboard, and the bullets are landing anywhere around that dartboard center. Uh so what even turning on that magnetized aim assist it helps but at any moment you 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 could be lined up aiming at that head and it'll still like shoot somewhere to the upper right of it 
just because <laughs> it's running this these mechan th th these numbers or whatever to determine these things so like, like the, that was the downside with a pistol but eventually it's like you get used to it you understand okay aim more for the chest or something like you get used to just shooting the enemies and anyway that was, mass. My, yeah. that, that was my long digression for why i preferred the pistol because you could just pop pop a cap in someone's butt and then you could switch back to launching which is the real weapon of the game right right yeah all guns some guns are better than others, but all guns are inferior to launch. Yep. Unless you're up against the dodgy enemies, and then you gotta use pierce on them. The dodgy it's, enemies, yeah. I'd always just double launch them. You just yeah. waste the launch, and then when they, you know, they, they'll only dodge every other one. And maybe that wasn't really efficient, but I don't know, I was in my groove. And I didn't want the game to force me to to switch to my crappy guns. <laughs> well, that that's that's one of those things where any of the enemies that are psychic, once they start pulling out their psychic attacks, there's enough time where you can launch at them and cancel their attack. And yeah. that's great if you're able to get your launch off in time, or if you don't have a million other one kinds of enemies aiming and going after you. Which again is the real issue. But anyways, we're in spoiler section, not mechanics section. So yeah, this is true. We should have saved this all for the mechanics, and and then yeah, we should have some real spoilers. Evidently, there's a lot to discuss about why the combat's not great. Uh, <laughs> but um, story though. Uh, firstly, let's get to the one part of the narrative that I really did love, which is even Adi. though I didn't like listening to all of Dylan's dreams. There was payoff to listening to them because he gives the one where he's like, I had a dream of you in an office and doing this and that forever, yeah. and it was great. And then you have the fake credit sequence, which I wasn't sure because I already heard the game's ending is awful. So I was like, okay, maybe this is real. I don't know. And then it's clearly not. Oh, I love that. That was I like that. That hit me because I'm like, I'm like, no. No, the game does not end here. This is Same not thing. the end. And I find it really interesting that I the two big games I played in in at that point in the year, back to back, and both of them had a fake out ending. What was the prior one? Uh, there was the one after Borderlands Three has a fake out ending. Oh, does it? Yeah, and uh, and even Rage, which is the game I played before these kind of thinks it kind of makes you think your character is really really gonna die and then they take it back spoilers for rage not that it matters nobody cares about the story in rage um so that was kind of three games in a row where it tried to like tease a bad ending and then took it back at the last second so that was interesting like wh why this year i don't know it was know, sort man. of like there was there was one because near automata did it that's why. Uh, <laughs> well, but you near Automata, you have to like beat the game twelve times to get any. Not twelve. Yeah. I know. I'm being. I, I'm. I mean, it does have an ending for every letter in the alphabet, but. And so I feel like there was one year, several years back, where everything had a downer ending. It was right. like Infamous Two comes out and you die at the end, and Assassin's Creed Three comes out and you die at the end, and like everything I played that year, you died at the end. And I was like, what is going on? Why am I a dead? <laughs> um, I like telling I, I actually, I, in the end, like, 
what if that was that almost would have been better than the real ending the real real ending you just sort of like you 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 fight some guys in the astral plane and then it's like yeah we and that last fight killed me so much until i did the whole take the high ground stay there don't get out of the high ground bit and then i beat it and then i'm like i get to i get to dylan and it's like oh by the way the game's over and it's like wait yeah that was it like i mean i hated that i hated that encounter but it wasn't like a final encounter it's like that was it like no right. no, no super his boss like nothing yeah especially especially if you did all the side content you did the angst of the anchor fight and the former board fights and you're sort of like okay like there's gonna be a cool final boss here right yeah, even essage i mean again right. like essage was kind of a pain but again even after figuring her out it's like it was something right it, and it's like okay and i guess i'm i guess i okay dylan's in a coma right sure the, the final fight tried to build its entire emotional thrust on dylan and the player doesn't care about dylan as much as they care about literally everyone else and the world itself he's the least interesting part of the world yeah like if they had made that casper darling if i was fighting to get to casper darling i would have been more invested than getting to dylan i was about to ask if you guys actually cared about any of the characters and i just realized casper darling's the only one and (laughs) ati Come on, Ati, you, you gotta love Ati. I don't Ati, know what Ati is yet. So, um, and the other character, I mean, she's not super interesting. Emily Pope. But the, the what? Emily Pope. Yeah, she's all right. She's not like. She's I would a be sad if she character. got hurt. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. She's not like the most fascinating thing. Like, boy, I can't wait to hear her backstory. But she's sympathetic and like, I care about her more than Dylan. And the game needed some sure. way to tie everything together. Like. Okay, this is for all the marbles. This is we got to save everything, and instead you're just trying to save Dylan. And I was like, whatever. I guess I guess I'll try to save him. It's one of those nice. show. It was one of those show don't tell things because right. told that Dylan means a lot to Jesse. You don't really get any of their history. Right. You don't understand why she cares about her brother so much, except that oh well, it's her brother. It's like yeah, I've got siblings too. Right. Why do why do it's I like, care about this guy? Like if his fall was tragic, like if he had some emotional need that the hiss was filling, you know, and and that's sort of hinted at in the story, but we never feel it. We're never like, oh, I can see why he let the hiss in. I can see why he has this problem and I've got to bring him back by, you know, appealing to him on an emotional level and because they got to condense it. it. They got to condense right. it, but it's like our first meeting with Dylan is like and it's not surprising either. It's like, oh, okay, he's actually not like he, he doesn't have all his screws tightened. Right. Like, he, we he's... first meet him, and he's just weird and pure evil. And it's like, I realize Jesse likes him, but I think he's a creepy weirdo. And if he dies, then whatever. And that's where yeah. I wonder if maybe instead of Jesse's like constant internal monologues, maybe they should have had like i don't know flashbacks or something as right. as that is like at least we'd be able to see okay who was dylan what was their relationship because we don't get we don't we don't even get even the recordings we get of dylan or after he's already like gone off the deep end right so i don't i don't know like i don't dylan wasn't exactly a very good emotional hook if, if the game could give you survivor's guilt like 
oh wow, if I, it's so sad that I got Polaris and not him, and you know, it was random chance that I was saved and he wasn't. Now I feel bad for what happened to him, but it. I mean, you have to make us. You have to make us understand his tragic fall first. Like we have to see him before the fall for that to work. Yeah, and we we you're right. We don't get anything to that effect. Um, and you're right. Like Emily, she, that's the thing. I guess for me, Emily Pope, I wasn't really. Like, she she was a character. She wasn't chirping in your ear the whole time. At least like most games, she would be. Right. But at the same time, it's like okay, her gimmick is that she just keeps wanting to perform experiments which is like I, there's another game that i played that oh fire emblem three houses has a guy like that of all things so it's like a, speaking of tropes that you just see in different games all the time hmm. um but then uh i actually liked the guy in the panopticon who and, and that's one of those rare moments where jesse's like internal monologue worked for me where he's sitting there like oh you know you talk to them blah blah, blah. And she's like wait did he just say talk to them and then, of course, when she speaks to him, she's like all this professional and everything. But it's one of those juxtapositions that works where, you know, internally, she's like, wait a minute, what did he just say? But then she doesn't show it. And it's like, OK, right. that's the kind of thing that can build character. But most of the time, I felt like this was an example of Sam Lake relying on his, OK, all my characters have an internal monologue. But whereas Max Payne was the war style, had that way of speaking, uh, Alan Wake was he was an author so he spoke like an author would write a book right jesse's just a person so she just talks speaks to in herself. exposition yes she speaks in yeah. exposition endlessly and every once in a while there's some actual like nugget of character there so it's one of those things where it's i i i was not overly it, it kind of made me dislike her sometimes like when I wasn't like, when I wasn't just feeling eh about her because she's just a she's just a protagonist otherwise. Right. It's, it's okay, video game protagonist. Um, and then like I, I wonder if they had less monologue, I would have liked her better. Um, I mean, it was it is difficult because her her primary her whole goal in this is like. She's not really that committed to stopping the hiss or being the, the director. She's committed to saving her brother. And then you meet her brother and he's an asshole. And you're like, okay, like, well, maybe we, maybe this wasn't such a great noble quest after all. Right. Uh, and then that's kind of where, where, yeah. And in her internal monologue this whole time, it sort of leads you into that where, and I, th I don't know, I, I can see what you're saying there, where it sort of just detracts from the character that, you know, she's just sort of, like, in her head, like, where's Dylan? Where's Dylan? I gotta find Dylan. When I'm like, there's, like, a world-ending apocalypse happening, ar <laughs> happening around you. Right. In Who the middle of this? New York City. In the middle, yeah. Like, you got it, a world-ending apocalypse, and you're just like, where's my brother? Right. And he's part of the problem too, so right. that even makes him makes us like him even less. Yeah. Meanwhile, Casper Darling's great. Uh, right. Yeah, save him, um, man. I was actually disappointed. I'm I'm still not I'm trying to remember if I just don't remember. I don't think they really explained what happened to him. Like alluded to that he kind of did he die or did something else happen? He went. 
Oh, yeah, what did he do? He did something very stupid at the end of his adventure. He, like, took off the protection or he went into something he shouldn't have. But I forget now. He did something. Yeah, he I feel did, like, like it, it happens in the in, around the, the room where Polaris is. You get, like, some kind of a recording or something before you go in there. Right. I can't remember what he did. Uh, but, yeah, he did something. And it felt like that was... Like a like of all the things that you want to find out in this game, it feels like they kind of just don't like what happened to Casper Darling should be at the center of it all, and it's not. Um, he feels like again you have that emotional connection. He explains to you the oldest house. He's excited about all this stuff. Yeah, he's and having a good time. Yes, yeah. uh, until he's not. Uh, but the. Like, he, he's definitely the best character. He felt like the protagonist, really, in a lot of ways, in that weird indirect way. Um, and then the 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 old director... I don't know what I think about him. Max Payne? Hey, what? Oh, is that right? Okay, because Darling is... The, is it, isn't, he, isn't Darling the same voice as Alan Wake? Yeah, and the director, the old director, is Max Payne's voice. I had no idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. Oh trench. man, it's yeah, trench. It's just stuck out to me the whole game. Every time I was like, "Hey, it's Max <laughs> Payne," and it, why is everybody calling him Trench? <laughs> <laughs> also, I love that name. That is such a perfect name for a guy in his trench. Yes. Yeah. It was it Zechariah Trench? <laughs> just I mean, so yeah. over the top. That it, but it's perfect for a Sam Lake well, story. It's like, so over the top because again, it's like if you want to attach a name to character meaning, right. it's like, well, I mean, he did kind of like what? Like, what is the purpose of a trench and what was he trying to do the whole, right. the whole story? Like it kind of fits this paranoia. But um, see, I, he, I guess that's okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna compare this to something that maybe won't make sense to ninety percent of anyone listening. In this room or otherwise. Never stopped you before. Yeah, it, it never does. So, a couple of years ago, I reviewed a an album by the band Windrose. Uh, heavy metal, Italian, epic heavy metal. They sing about dwarves and stuff. Diggy hole. Yeah. Well, now now they've sort of gone. They they they've sort of gone a little bit of of self parody in their most recent album. But their previous album was just like 100% sincere, earnest, cheesy, like we just want to sing about dwarves and wolves and, you know, being whatever we are. Like, and it, I can't say that it was a great album from a technical or a songwriting or otherwise pers perspective, but you could feel the whole thing that they were just 100% committed 100% loved what they were doing and loved the music they were making. And Control feels kind of the same way in a lot of those those ways, yeah. especially with the world building, that I can, I can pick out all the technical issues and the issues with the combat and other things, but it also, there's this all this attention to detail and love that was put into the product that it... It makes it stand out from a lot of samey, recycled AAA video games that we play every year. 
See, you say that, but that's why I find it funny that it has a skill tree, it has the loot drops and stuff, and these elements that... It's not like 505 Games is a big AAA publisher. So it's like there's there's no there's no like big suit we can like blame that the inclusion of that stuff on. It's just some designer thought that stuff was a good idea and then but and yet it necessitates these other problems and it helps lend to a lesser experience. But you're right, you're right. This game definitely feels like it was a passion project. Yeah. Because even the combat feels like they wanted to do something with it. It feels like they wanted these powers to mean something. They didn't want to just make a shooter. Um, and it's more than like Alan Wake. Like you play Alan Wake and it's a shooter, but with a flashlight. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's And not like Doom 3 was a shooter. With, man, I, both Remedy games I can compare to a Doom game. Um, but it's not like uh, Doom Three. Doom Three was a the, the, was a shooter without a flashlight, though. So that's totally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the the this game felt like they were trying to do a lot of good stuff, even with the gameplay design. Um, and it wasn't like we're going to make a big open world. It was closer to a Metroid type of game or Resident Evil, um, where it's like the mansion. And uh, as I told you early on, Steve, what this really makes me want is a dead space in this style. Um, mm. Like, just one spaceship that you're just navigating, yeah. and you don't have to worry about, like, the, the chapters or the levels. You just go from one mission to one mission. Consistent world. This is, like, this is a passion project. And again, like, one of those areas where I feel that is after that fake-out ending, when you are Jesse, and again, I made that mental connection. Oh, Dylan was talking about this. This is a really cool callback. And one that you might not be able to get if you don't listen to Dylan, if you don't listen to all his dreams. Yeah. I don't think you have to. No, you so don't. You, you, it's like a special little thing, and then you are able to do all these errands, and then you have to figure out to deliver the mail to Trench, kind of a thing. And it still loops, and I'm still not... In, like, I, oh, I guess I am entirely sure of what happened, because they explain it to you at the end anyway. Because um, Trench ended up letting the hiss in and all this other stuff the hiss went right for dylan and then dylan i guess was going to be the new director and yet he was just going to be a, a tool of the hiss so it's all this stuff but that's the thing like the real ending is then all of a sudden so dylan's in a coma right now and uh i'm the director and i guess we're just still cleaning stuff up including the mold which the mold is just this thing um and by the way there is an exploit to defeating the uh the the mold one at the bottom oh really um, when you drop down, there's that platform to your right. You duck behind that, and you just barely peek out of the right side of that and shoot the middle head. It will not attack you back. So that is like the the exploit I did to like take what would probably be the hardest boss of the game and killed it real quickly. Real quickly. If you stuck around to the end, there you go. So it is uh, pretty late for us. So do we want to uh, wrap up? I guess anybody got final thoughts? I feel like I just did my final thoughts. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I, I kind of did mine like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so yeah, we're all in agreement. We did like the story at least. Oh, uh, and can we just well, real, okay, quick, real, quick talk, can we real quick talk about the ashtray maze? Uh, <laughs> because now see again i didn't i had no idea what was going to happen i i just had no clue i had no clue i thought 
I had gone to the ashtray maze way early and been like, ha, I can't get through this. I guess I'll go back. I had too many people telling me to do the ashtray maze. And then, yeah, I then it came too back. Too many people telling me about and it. And you put on Ati's headphones, and it's like, you get this killer soundtrack as you're like, it felt like the promise of what the whole game could have been in this sort of inception, reality bending, yeah, insanity, um, just sort of compressed into this maybe like five to ten minute segment. Um, See, I I don't know. I firstly, my the funny thing is, for as much of a metalhead as I am, I liked uh, the other song by Poets of the Fall better, the My Dark Disquiet, than uh, Take Control. Because, I, I don't know, I feel like Take Control is a song that I've already heard a bunch. Uh, it's not that it's a bad song, but it's like, okay, it's it's decent enough. I mean, I'm, so, I'm not going to, like, put it on on repeat on my Spotify playlist or something. It's just, like, in the in the context, you put on the headphones, you're like, what's Ati been listening to this whole time? <laughs> yeah, the Control! Technically, the finished polka. I think... It's like it's, it, the, 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 the Walkman is an altered item itself. Yeah. The music changes depending on who's listening. <laughs> or at least that's my head cannon. Put it on no, top. No, same. Same. I, I, I think <laughs> so too. I can't believe that Ati was sitting there jamming to, to metal. <laughs> that, that just, yeah, he's more of a polka guy. Yep. <laughs> but, no, I mean, uh, otherwise, it was a pretty cool sequence, but I think what got me about it too was the way the world kept transforming i was like man i kind of wish the game was more of this yeah like the world transforming which i mean they they allude to that but i guess if you're going to make like a metroidvania that doesn't work as well and they had some cool moments with that like again the the stoplight was kind of cool um the tv bent reality a bit like that oh the um the where you you fought uh essage um there is like the, the whole room is like stretched and turned. That was pretty cool. So it had elements of that, but not like the ashtray maze. And I feel like, again, it's like, yeah, that makes the ashtray maze cool. But then it's like, oh, I kind of wish they did more of it. Yeah. So, I mean, but hopefully, hopefully we get a sequel. Uh, hopefully they can streamline some of the, the faults in the combat and progression systems. Well, we're definitely getting DLC. There's a, free DLC dropping in December. And oh. then hopefully hopefully in that sequel we'll get a little bit more of this uh, of yeah, of the ashtray maze, a little bit more of of some of this really interesting stuff that they I think they hinted well, at but didn't fully execute. They've already gone into a little bit of detail about it. The first the free DLC goes back to where you met Ati to get the headphones where you saw that sort of like tree thing sketched out on the wall. Yeah, which was supposed to be like the oldest house or something. I don't know. The board talks about it at some point, and then the 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 other two DLC are paid DLC. One of which does involve Alan Wake. So mm. Um, mm. I don't know if they're going to bring extra closure to the story. Some people are wondering if it's like Alan Wake, where the game had like this sort of met ending, and then you had to play the DLC in American Nightmare to get the real ending, which is he's trapped in the bottom of the lake. I don't know. Um, so there's, 
Evidently, Remedy doesn't like to finish their own games. Or <laughs> something. But otherwise, I mean, it's... I'd say if we're going to go back to the whole recommendations thing, I'd grab it for... And normally I don't like putting a dollar amount value to it. I'd say at least wait until it's on sale for like 20 bucks or maybe PS Plus if you're uncertain. Or what? rent it. I mean, there's ways to rent it. So, uh, Redbox. There you go. Do you ever <laughs> CVS nearby you? Get it through Redbox. I wouldn't pay more than $90 for it. <laughs> 90 Australian dollars. Which is probably cheaper than what it's actually priced I don't at. Know. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I see again, like, I liked it. I would like to play it again. I'll probably try and make a video on it, but I said that about Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and oh, I do not want to go back to that. Hmm. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. It, it, it is. It's a game that is not bad. So Put that on the box. Put that on the box. <laughs> All right. Um, but yes, thank you very much for joining us, Seamus. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. Yep. And of course, if you, again, any f- more final thoughts, if there's any. But Nope. Nope. I'm good. All I'm right. Good. Uh, so remember, guys, go to SeamusYoung.com slash 20SidedTale. I have a bookmark, so I don't remember exactly. That's fine. It's fine. fine. Also, it's S-H-A-M-U-S, Seamus, not S-E-A-M-U-S. Correct. So, uh, yeah, spell it like an American would spell it. Um, So thanks for joining. And, of course, you're also Seamus Young on YouTube, which is how people can find your This Dumb Industry video series. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um... Thank you very much, guys. It was good talking to you. Uh, Hopefully this recording turns out all right. right. Fingers crossed.